0: All right, if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, please. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to still focus on verse 22 through 24. And so the title is the same as last time, God's Role for Women. This is part two. In uh, 1986, Channel 7, ABC presented a special call um, after the sexual revolution. And it gave special economic uh, attention to the changes uh, of of society and the family and the consequences of the last 20 years showing um, of such a philosophy how it the society. So we're going from about 1966 to 86. The importance of the information was that it was from a secular perspective about the deceptive and the self-centered attitudes that progressively destroy the family, and the sanctity of Mary, as uh, we knew in the past that it would do so as Christians, and so it did. The opening statement by a woman is uh, a good example of the me generation. I'm quoting. She says, The greatest gift is freedom of self-expression. My personal life has taken a shape that I have given. I like it because I chose it. That means that you are the constant innovator of yourself, and that is an enormous freedom. End of quote. When one realizes the contrast between the divine design for marriage and the family and that of human philosophy in today's American society, it is clear to see the consequences of violating God's plans for the family. Even as the prophet Hosea said that we had the children of Israel sown to the wind. And reap the whirlwind. Now the Bible clearly teaches that family life must be a household of people who are united by certain convictions with a vital function beyond themselves. So you're not the most important person in the marriage. You're looking to the others. The concluding statement of this woman was most illuminating. I'm quoting again. Quote, We cannot really believe what has happened to the American family, the commentator says. So I think we have um, not really understood the depths of the problem because we really don't want to know it. We are a country without policy for the family, and we are placing a generation of children at risk. We are a nation at risk. If we are to rescue our children, we must see things as they really are. Just 20 years after, keen secular observers could already see the danger signs and the degeneration of our society and our nation. How much more now as we are 50 years down from 1966? There was another key factor that took place in the early 70s. The majority of our nation began to trust the quote-unquote professionals for raising their children and marital problems through our secular humanistic teaching and philosophies of um, the educators, the psychologists, the psychiatrists. And the church got sucked up into it with Dr. Dobson. Same thing, calling it, quote, quote, Christian psychology. It's like grape nuts, neither grape nor nut. Every form of psychology is humanistic, is progressive. There's not one Christian fellow in there. Maslow, Rogers, all of them. Professional help was and is the buzzword of today in our modern society. Men and women are um, supposed to um, help right uh, the ills of society and the family. But it seems that the problem with these professionals only grows through the progressive educational methods in propaganda. Um, Society got along much better before them. It became a big moneymaker and still is today. People have been taught an entirely new language to blame and excuse and justify their behavior, uh, such as dysfunctionalism, codependent, enabler, drinking and drugs are a disease now, to validate their self-inflicted addiction. Um, The truth of the matter is that your choice to drink and take drugs will result in illness, but it's not an illness in and of itself. That's a big lie. Um, And now we have the political correctness to give equal value and worth to a moral diversity, to not offend anyone at the expense of all that is good, moral, and ethical, and patriotic. And so we have a society completely entrenched in a psycho babble language. And philosophy of self-love, self-justification, blaming everyone for who they are and how they turned out due to the way their parents treated them, the professionals didn't give them their way, they were insensitive. So we are an entitled society, unloving, inconsiderate adults living for no one but self. Wow. And if you've been around for those years, you have seen the progression and it is on free fall now. What a sad state of affairs we find our nation in, and the church is no better. In fact, worse, because the church has the word of God, and we should know better. The solution to cure the ills of homes and society is simple. If mothers were at home to care for their children, and both fathers and mothers were committed to marriage as much as they are committed to divorce for any and every reason. No-fault divorce in the 70s killed America. Absolutely devastated it. But since the double income kicked in in around 1977, women since then have had to work. They have no choice to provide for the epidemic of single and divorced mothers and entitled people. So it's a domino effect. And so... As we began in our last study, the emphasis was on the submission of the woman to her own husband because the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. The double analogy of husband and wife and Christ of the church is unique of Ephesians and is found nowhere else. So let's continue in our study about the woman's uh, in marriage to better understand the teaching of the scriptures regarding God's role for the woman and we want to look at three things and it'll be based upon the same verses let me read the verses here Um, chapter 5 22 through 24 it says why submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to Christ so let the wife be uh, be literally says subject to their own husbands in everything now we did the exposition on that, the everything we qualified, everything that's scriptural. If you weren't here, I would encourage you to get that study. But let me give you the three hooks that I want you to hang your thoughts on in these verses. Okay? We're going to look at from a little different perspective. First, we're going to look at the positive picture; it's overwhelming for the woman's submission. Second, the parallel passages are in harmony with being taught here. And thirdly, the present day problem. In families, so let's begin here with the um, positive picture and how overwhelming it is. Um, the wife is um, compared to the church, the object of God's personal love. Notice that in verse twenty-two and twenty-three, the church is the object of God's love. So is the wife to be the love and, uh, object of her husband. That doesn't mean you have the goosebumps all the time. It doesn't mean that you're always floating in the sky. You're committed. Love is a commitment. Okay. It, does, it has nothing to do with feelings, nothing to do with emotion. It's your commitment on what, who God is, who you are, and what you've committed to that person. The wife is to put on, uh, she's put on equal level with the church, a divine, um, intimate relationship. There will be no closer tie than that of husband and wife. And the children tie them even more together. Um, until death do they part. The marital relationship is the closest and the most binding, the most sacred of all, on the same level as Christ to the church. Look at the text real close. The woman's submission who potassium, again, implies uh, a, a submission of love. It never implies inferiority. It's a divine order to her own husband, 21 and 22. Not every man to her own husband. Submission and authority must exist for effectiveness and productivity, as we said, both Equals before God, but not in the respective roles. In other words, male and female are distinct, but all are equal before God in terms of the relationship and everything else. But the roles are different. Just like there's a role different between a hand and a foot. They're both part of the body. They have two different functions. Um, Submission by the woman has a built-in protection so as not to be abused by a carnal Christian or an ungodly, unreasonable husband. The Scriptures. Yeah, scriptures they ask the Scriptures, the absolute protection. Only what the Scriptures command or instruct the woman to submit to, then she does. The violation of her conscience to the boundaries of Scripture place her under a higher submission. Her submission now is to Christ. So, ladies, you're not to submit to your husband if he wants you to do stuff that's unbiblical, that violate your conscience, your morality, your spirituality. Real simple, Okay. The husband is not to be a tyrant or despot, but a type of Christ, very positive picture of love and sacrifice in marriage. Verse 25 down to 31, as we move through it, we'll see this. Marriage is not a relationship of master and slave. Christ died to purify his bride. They are not in competition with each other, but in completion, being joined in marriage to one another. Now notice in verse 23, the woman completes the man as the church completes Christ, the church is said to be the fulfillment of Christ, which is his holy body. He makes it one, the fullness of him who fills all in all, Ephesians one twenty three told us. The passage is a mystery, for Christ needs nothing to complete him. Yet, it is said that the body, the church, fills Christ, a mystery. <laughs> we'll understand it when we get there. This is well-knowing that Christ is God and he needs nothing to complete him, yet in a subordinate position seeks to be incomplete without his bride, the church, begetting sons and daughters of God by his grace and his love. So the wife plays the same role from the beginning as God gave two particulars about the woman's role in Genesis. Listen carefully, Genesis 128, she was to bear children by him and with him. Secondly she was to be a help comparable to him and for him Genesis 2:18 This is the highest calling for a woman to be a wife and a mother unless she has the gift of celibacy 1 Corinthians 7:7 7, 7. Your highest call ladies is not to be a doctor not to be a lawyer not to be anything else but that wife that God has made you to be I'm not saying that if if you're a professional that that is wrong in itself but it's not your highest calling. Your highest calling is to be a wife and a mother. That is the highest calling. And she will know this in her gift from God by her sexual desire, not uh, not stumbling her or the opposite sex. This is a gift of God. If She has the gift of celibacy. It's no big deal, but for the most of us, we are going to be married. It's the exception, not the rule. And so 1 Corinthians 7, 9 says that God gives that gift to a celibate man or a celibate woman. You try to impose it upon yourself, you're going to have problems. Trust me. Now, most women today are made to feel that if they are not working or in some professional fulfillment, um, they're not fulfilling their own sense of worth or importance contributing to the income of the home and they are failing and are of little worth that is the lie that was fed it didn't just start in the 60s it's even earlier than that we'll touch a little bit on that what a lie the world and satan has given to the woman of america and and the world the man is the one that is to provide for the bride from the sweat of his brow genesis 3:19 says god said by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread the man is stronger the man is fit more for work. He can handle c- conflict much better, confrontation, everything else. Now I realize that some women have to work because they are single mothers, divorced, the husband's disability, um, or some are just do, doing so because they have bought into the culture. So there are some legitimate reasons such as these, but the culture is not a reason. I also realize that too many women today, even in the church, work to get the extras or more things, though they have children. Compromise has and will continue to hurt the believer in the church. No one gets away with disobedience, ladies and gentlemen. It will cost us. Always. Obedience is the way God has chosen to protect us from so many hurts and problems in life. Children can get along with one parent only, one car only. But when it's a voluntary absenteeism from the role that God has called you to, that's not right. And it doesn't work out. The two income family, on the average, makes very little over one income after childcare, arranged travel for the children herself, lunches federal, state income tax. Very little extra. Many working parents say they would uh, like to spend more time with their children, but their actions betray them as they go on the weekend holiday without the children saying they deserve it. I've seen it since the 70s and increasing. So I'm speaking out of 42 years of ministry being with God's people, seeing what's happening in American society. Now look at verse 24. The woman and man are one, not two separate individuals, just as the church is subject to Christ. The two should become one flesh. Genesis two twenty-four is what it's quoting. The woman is bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Their one is before God takes place at the altar, at the vows. Their oneness emotionally and sexually occurs at the honeymoon. Their oneness is worked out through life together based on their spiritual understanding of God's word, revealing his design for marriage and respective roles of husband and wife. You're both growing together in the church, in Christ, through the word. You have the same manual. You should have the same mind. You should know each one's roles respectively. Some wives or husbands live as if they are single, spending more time with their worldly friends or their guys, dishonoring their wife and vice versa. It doesn't mean you can't have a night where you go out with a friend or something, but this concept of Christians like the world, well, this is, you know, ladies night out and guys night out. Why'd you get married for? There's no such thing. When you got married, you're the last one, man. You've got to work for your wife, love your wife, take care of your children. Mow the lawn, feed the dog, take care of the leaky faucet. You don't like that? You guys are single? Don't get married. Stay single. Too many people are getting married and they want to live life single. And too many people being single want to live like married. There's sins on the both sides. The woman and the man are heirs together, the grace of life, First Peter 3, 7 says. They're, they benefit one another. They each make life enjoyable for each other. They cannot see themselves without each other. There's the arguments, there's disagreements this, this and that, but push comes to shove. As you're growing together in Christ, you know that you just can't see yourself without your bride. One of these days, you look at your wife or your husband right now, one of you is going to bury the other. One of these days. One of you is going to put the other one in a box or a furnace. One of the two. Both of you can open your hearts to each other. As to no other. The perspective of the woman for her husband is to be loyalty and faithful, love, Listen to the Shunammite in um, Proverbs 5, 10 through 16. She says, the Shunammite, my beloved, is white and ruddy, uh, chief among 10,000. His head is like the finest of gold. His locks are wavy, though, uh, and black are as ravens. His eyes are like doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk uh, and fitly said. Um, his cheeks are like beds of spices, banks of scented herbs. His lips are lilies, dipping liquid myrrh. His hands are rods of gold set in burrows. So he's got shiny teeth, he's got strong arms. His body is carved ivory inlaid with sapphires. He's got a six-pack, eight-pack. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of fine gold. His countenance is like Lebanon, Excellent as the cedars, his mouth is most sweet. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O oh daughters of Jerusalem. This is what the Christians to be, at least can be. Again, doesn't mean you walk around, you know, throwing flowers all day long. Now we're talking about. She repeatedly declares, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. His desire is for me, passion. Song of Solomon 2.16, 6, Song of Solomon is a great book. The Shunammite, to her beloved, says, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love Is as strong as death, jealousy, as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a more vehement flame. Song of Solomon 8, 6. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, sitting in a Nazi prison cell, once wrote a wedding sermon for his niece who was about to get married. And um, in it he said this, quote, Marriage is more than your love for each other. It has a higher dignity and power, for it is God's holy ordinance through which he will to perpetuate the human race till the end of time. In your love, you see only your two selves in the world. But in marriage, you are aligned in the chain of the generations, which God causes to come and to pass away to his glory and calls Into his kingdom. In your love, you see only the heavens of your happiness, but in marriage, you are placed on a post of responsibility towards the world and mankind. Your love is your own private possession, but marriage is more than something personal, it is a status, an office. Wow. What we believe will determine what we are going to put into life practice, ladies and gentlemen. It has been put this way: So a thought, reap a deed, so a deed, reap a work. so a work, reap a habit. so a habit, reap, a character, so a character, reap a destiny. Every time marriage is presented in today's society it is a negative light. So society won't feel guilty. That's why they do it. Husbands and wives are committing adultery. There is constant fighting and happiness in marriage programs. Divorce is inevitable most of the time. Kids are smarter than parents. Parents are idiots. Romans one twenty two says, "Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." The mindset. Presented to the woman is one that makes her feel like she is being cheated unless she has uh, her own identity. But in reality, for her not to be cheated, her identity is to be tied to her husband. When her identity is not tied to her husband, she's cheated all the way. Billboards, televisions, advertisements make a woman feel like she's being held back and deserves much more. The days the boys on Madison Avenue have done their homework and they are quite good at catching the eye of the public on every level. The woman is made to believe that she can have it all and not pay a price wrong. Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man should leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. The woman is encouraged to be and presented as the initiator in our modern society to further weaken marriage and the family. She hits on men aggressively. She is as suggestive, if not more lewd, than a man in sexual things. That's the way she's presented. She holds her own with a man, be it in work, play, or promiscuity, celebrating her womanhood, so-called, no longer being restricted or limited to a housewife. Proverbs 12.4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, But she who causes shame is like rottenness to his bones. You see, the woman's role is a very positive picture, an exalted position from the biblical point of view, much higher than the world. The Bible treats you ladies like a lady. That's what the Bible does. Let's look at some parallel passages to show you how in harmony they are, because this is not an isolated theme that we're looking at. I'm just gonna run just you can turn if you want to Proverbs thirty one. We're gonna go verse ten to thirty one. We're just gonna run through it. Now, this is not a checklist, men, alright? But an exhortation and model example, all right? In Proverbs 31, verse 10 says, No value can be placed on a wife. She is priceless. Verse 11, He can trust her to be frugal, make his earnings last as much as possible. Verse 12, She is committed to doing him good rather than evil, not so much in external works, but in intentions of her mind towards him for the purpose of not being Distracted or anxious, providing. In verse thirteen, she is meeting the needs, clothing, being wise. But the idea here is that it is her hands' pleasure; it is not a burden. Verse fourteen, she has an enterprising spirit, seeking to um, to get more for her money, and perhaps even saving the extra for emergencies. In verse 15, she is concerned about her household over herself, and it is her joy. She sees her children off and her husband. Verse 16 and 17, she has been thrift and invested in a field in view of future troubled times, working from within the home. Verse 18, she is the last in bed, knowing the benefits of her role and does it lovingly. 19. She is creative in the provisions of her home. Like curds, decorations. Not having to buy everything or name brands. 20. She's generous. Compassionate to others with needs. Verse 21. She is always looking ahead to the needs of her house throughout the year. 22. After everyone is taken care of, then she helps herself to delight her husband. 23. She reverends her husband and thinks the world of him and counts herself privileged. Do not compare your husbands to any other man, ladies. It's foolish. Verse 24. On her spare time, she makes some things to supplement the income, but not out of the house. Everything is from within the house. Verse 25, God will reward her, but also her very own sowing in loving obedience will reap her a reward from her family. 26, spirit control. She is not an heir thinking before she speaks. 27, she minds her own business and is not a busybody in the neighborhood. 28, her value and appreciation is voiced by her children and husband for her caring character. She is irreplaceable. I thank God for my children and their mother who was able to stay home and to meet their needs, to drop them off in school, to pick them up, to be there to protect them, to supervise them. My children are now 40 and 38, and they have expressed their gratitude many, many times since they've left the home. Now we have grandchildren, and they're in the same position we used to be. Verse 29, this is a Christian woman. 30, she has right priorities between outward and inward beauty. Verse 31, she stands on her own merits. All who know her will know her by her fruits. This is one busy lady and loving it. What is she? A loving housewife. <laughs> and mother. Mother. Let's turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 11 through 15, another parallel passage about marriage. The counsel of Paul to Timothy for the church order is regarding the woman in our text. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 11 and 12, younger widows under 60 years are to be refused for the list of widows, for they will most likely marry again. Notice that. So a widow was not to be taken under 60 years old. They were still of married age or to be remarried, confirming that men and women were created to marry unless God gives them the gift of celibacy of 1 Corinthians 7. Look at verse 13 and 14. Women with time on their hands without biblical priorities, create problems for themselves and others. This is a key verse for the divine role. On the negative, verse 13, they learn to be idle, wander about from house to house, becoming gossips and busybodies, speaking things they ought not. Verse 14, on the positive side, they are to marry. They are to bear children. They are to manage the home oikodespotos, from oikodespites, the word means a head of a family in the sense of guiding and managing the household affairs. In other words, a housekeeper. Housekeeping. Matthew 10, 25, 20, verse one, twenty one thirty three. the same word. Now you may be saying... or staying home and you could be doing worse than someone who's working so it's not just that your home is are you being that godly woman and the wife and mother you're supposed to be according to the scriptures that's important they're to do this in order to not give an opportunity for the enemy to speak reproachfully notice that that's the reason that's the purpose Verse 15, women were disobeying the rule of of church order, for some have already turned aside after Satan. So, for whatever reason, their husband died, or they were divorced, or whatever it was, and they come to the church, then as soon as the first guy comes, they turn away from Christ and everything else. Okay? That's what he's talking about. Now, turn to the right over to Titus. Just keep going to the right. You have Titus chapter 2, another parallel passage. Verse 1 through 5. In verse 1, Paul identifies all as proper and sound doctrine. In verse 1. In verse 2 and 3, the older women are to teach by word and deed. The old King James says, aged women. (laughs) those who have been married for a while. They've raised children, okay? In verse 2 and 3, there the men are addressed first. Verse 2, Then the women, they are to be all that was stated of the men. Plus, be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given too much wine, and teachers of good things. So, What was told about the men is to apply to the women and plus these extra things that he's saying. Verse 4 and 5, the things the older wives are to teach the younger by admonishment. This is the beauty of the women's ministry here as you ladies come together. We have women here who have been for years, younger ladies, come, fellowship and grow. Notice what he says. First, the advice to the younger from the older. Verse 4, To love their husbands. Philodromos, a man-lover. Her husband, not every man. Okay? Her own. To love her children. Verse 5. To be discreet means self-control, moderate, as to opinion or passion. By her lifestyle, to live as a godly married woman, not joined to her single or unbelieving friends to influence her in an evil way. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 6 deals with that. Uh, The woman's a godly woman by her outward appearance, not merely being the main concern, but the inward beauty of the heart, uh, even as Sarah um, with Abraham. Verse 5 still, to be chaste, meaning innocent, modest, clean, pure. Verse 5 still, to be homemakers. The old King James Version translates it, keepers at home. So here you have the confirmation. The word is made up of two words appearing only this time in the New Testament. The first word, oik, means dwelling or house. The second word, orgois, means to guard or keeper. In good classical Greek, it often is translated a stare at home. To be good, meaning kind. To be obedient, who hupotasso, there it is again, submissive to your own husband, never inferiority. The reason given, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now you have to realize in the background, if you weren't here last week, the background I gave you that Paul is giving this to, the Jewish, the Greek, and the Roman culture. It was crazy what Paul is commanding here. So this command for the woman and the man is to every generation since, since the New Testament. Doesn't matter what culture you come from. I don't care if you're a beaner. I don't care if you're Italian. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're black, yellow, pink, or blue. I don't care what it is. This applies to you if you're a Christian. And because you're a child of God, God has enabled you to be able to obey and to do what He calls us to do. It's the way it is. We always want to say, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm from a Mexican family. I'm from, well, that's your problem. What's the problem? We want to use all these cultural excuses. Well, you know, I just got a hot temper. I'm Italian. It's called flesh, not Italian. A man was complaining to God, Oh Lord, please have mercy on me. I work so hard while my wife stays at home. I would give anything if you would grant me one wish. Switch me into my wife. She's got it easy at home. I want to teach her a lesson on how tough a man's life is. As God was listening, he felt sorry for his soul and he granted him his wish. Next morning, the new woman wakes up in the dawn, makes lunch boxes, prepares breakfast, wakes up the kids for school, puts on a load of clothes and washes, takes the meat out of the freezer, drives the kids to school. On the way back, stops at the gas station, um, cashes a check, pays electricity and phone bill, picks up some clothes from the cleaners, quickly goes to the market. It was about 1 p.m. already. He made the beds, took the clothes out of the uh, washer, put another load in. He vacuums the house, made some rice, went and picked up the kids from school, and had an argument with the kids. As soon as he got home, he fed the kids, washed the dirty dishes, he hung the uh, damn clothes. And he um, that he had washed on the chair, he hung him there, and um, because it was still raining outside, and he helped the kids with their homework, watched some TV while um, he joined, uh, he ironed some clothes, prepared the dinner, he gave the kids a bath, put them to sleep. At 9 p.m., he was so tired he went up, uh, um, he went to bed. Of course, um, there was um, some more duties. And um, somehow he managed to get them done and finally fell asleep. The next morning he prayed to God once again. Oh Lord, what was I thinking when I asked you to grant my wish? I can't take it anymore. I beg you, please switch me back to myself. Please, oh please. Then he heard um, God's voice speaking to him saying, dear son. Of course, I will switch you back into yourself, but there's one minor detail. You will have to wait nine months because last night you got pregnant. (laughs) That's about it, isn't it? We all, we think someone else has it better. Better. The world paints a very bleak and boring picture when it comes to being a wife and mother, but has produced far worse wives and mothers than the church ever has. The world lowers your conscience by giving you mafia-wise, basketball-wise, Kardashians, girls gone wild. The married woman who stays home, on the other hand, can pollute herself by getting caught up with the soap operas, magazines, what she reads, ungodly advertisements, garbage in, garbage out, whatever you add to the list. Proverbs 23 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I also understand that some of you have to work as single mothers and those with working husbands, so both of you have to see how you will plug up those holes in your home to meet the needs of your children. Both of you have to do that. Men, you're the head of the home. You have to lead. If you are a working mother and your husband also works, you need to prioritize your real needs versus your wants and work towards having you stay home with your kids if at all possible. Prioritize. You may not need two cars. Again, it's better to have two parents in the prospective roles than two not in the prospective roles and have all the goodies. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, we're told in Colossians 2.3. The problems of children and teens today are often because no one is home to supervise, correct them, or discipline them, or teach them and providing them family model. Of the 18 years your children live, they will sleep one-third of, li- of, of those 18 years. That's six years. The other third they will spend in some form of institution, hopefully instructional, not correctional. Of those last six years, the first three years, they're infants. So you really have your child only for three years, ladies and gentlemen, to mold and shape them. You ever think about it? If you work, you spend 4,000 hours with your child. If you stay home, you put 40,000 hours into your child by the time he's 18. Otherwise, someone else is putting 36,000 hours molding and shaping your children into them not you. The pattern of the scriptures is for a married woman to stay home, caring for her husband and children for the honor of God and social stability. Early in the 20th century, the progressive Roosevelt enacted law so that mothers who were widows or had no husbands could stay home to care and to raise their children, having a high view of the woman, children, and marriage. This was in 1931. About 140,000 families were receiving mother's aid grants, but only 55 recipients in the entire country were unmarried. Did you get that? 140,000 families were receiving mother's grants. Only 55 in the entire country were unmarried receiving grants. It was to help married women who needed the help. Different from today. Unmarried mothers and divorced mothers were excluded with few exceptions. The framers of the mothers' pension laws made it quite clear that their primary concern was to support traditional families when those families suffer financial difficulties from the loss of a husband's income. The church is being disobedient in marriage and it is bringing much hurt and destruction to their families. that cannot be undone or redone once it's gone. As you can see, the parallel passages regarding marriage are in complete harmony with the text in Ephesians. Let me close with the third point, the present-day problems in family. We want to be practical. The problem is long coming. The last 76 years, women have entered the largest number of workforce. After World War II, 1940, women became the workforce by necessity. The war was on. In 80% or in the 80s, 84% of all new jobs were taken by women. Seven of ten women worked to support the family and survive in 1980, in the 80s. Sixty-three percent of couples brought home two incomes and grew to 10 million women sole supporters in the 1980s. In 1981, seven percent of America lived under the father's provisions as the breadwinner, and 40 million women worked, six million with children. There were six million stepchildren in the U.S. in 1986. In 1996, the 50% mark of all new businesses were projected to be attributed to women before it was one in three. All of this provided the double buying power, causing homes to skyrocket, a false economy. Then the crash came at the end of 2008 and 2009. In 2016, women are still working but struggling for jobs and making meets. They haven't gone very far, have they? And society has decayed because America is about the lie. The victims and casualties are children, ladies and gentlemen. A news world report on November 7th. These statistics are of 1988. So you can see how much worse they are. Listen to it, okay? This is in one day. Statistics of one day in the U.S., 2,753 teenagers got pregnant. 1,099 teenagers had abortions. 367 teenagers miscarried. 1,287 teenagers gave birth. 666 babies were born to girls who had inadequate parental care. Nine children died from shotgun wounds. Five teenagers committed suicide. 609 teenagers got gonorrhea or syphilis. 988 children were abused. 3,288 children ran away from home. 49,322 children were in public juvenile correctional facilities. 2,269 illegitimate children were born. 2,989 kids saw their parents divorce. All these figures are the events of one day in the U.S. of that year. Can you tell me that mothers are better off at work? That they need mentors? As General Powell asked, rather than mothers at home, hmm. the reality of the 90s came as 55% of children were raised by working mothers. As child care became a national scandal, some needed two to three arrangements in one day. As there were 7 to 10 million latchkey babies in the U.S. supervised by cable TV, that's when pornography kind of flew out the handle too. By the 1990s, more people lived in a second marriage than a first marriage. James Allen, the criminal justice professor at the Northeastern University in Boston, commanding on the Justice Department of 1995, comprehensive juvenile crimes, revealed that uh, murder rates for youngsters 14 to 17 years of age had increased 165% from 1985 to 1995. We're down to 2016 now, ladies and gentlemen. Proverbs 15, says, Better is little with fear of the Lord than great treasures in trouble therein. God's role for the woman is for family protection and social stability. The greatest deception of the enemy is to get the woman out of the home. Women hold society together, not men. The home is the nucleus of society. You destroy the home, you destroy society. The outcome is the nightmare of the 2000s, the indoctrination of children by the public school system, the undermining of parental authority and legal rights for children against their parents, the redefining of marriage as one man and one woman to further confuse and recruit young people into homosexual lifestyle and ultimately destruction of our society. After a decade of decline, a rise in stay-at-home mothers is happening. The share of mothers who do not work outside the home rose 29% in 2012, up from modern era low of 23% in 1999, according to a new Pew Research Center Analysis of Governmental Data. But it's due to immigrant wives who stay home and the fact of a lack of jobs and one spouse being unemployed not voluntary ironic after 40 years since the double income kicked in we're back to the high percentage of one provider due to the lack of jobs but the price are still double wow you call that progress? I call it destruction and the church is no different An article saying, if I live in a home of spotless beauty with everything in in its place but have not love, I am a housekeeper, not a homemaker. Listen carefully. If I have time for waxing, polishing, and decorative achievements but have not love, my children learn cleanliness, not godliness. Love leaves the dust in search of a child's laugh. Love smiles at the tiny fingerprints on a newly cleaned window. Love wipes away the tears before it wipes up the spilled milk. Love picks up the child before it picks up the the toys. Love is present through the trials. Love um, reprimands, reproves, and is responsive. Love crawls into the with the baby, walk with the toddler, runs with the child, then stands outside to let the youth walk uh, into adulthood. Love is the key that opens salvation message to the child's heart. Before I became a mother, I took glory in my house of perfection. Now I glory in God's perfection, my child. As a mother, there is much I must teach my child, but the greatest of all is love. The pain of disobedience, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing compared to the pain of disobedience throughout life. 1 Samuel 15, 22. The pain that you inflict through disobedience, it'll get worse as you go along. Always. If it's not corrected. If a woman does not have to work, but chooses to work, she will know how big a mistake she's made in the future. At time, even by the mouth of her own children. In the sowing and reaping, living with regret is in one's marriage, and the raising of children is is not very good. An attempt to justify oneself is greater sin. It is best to confess and to live with the grace of God to help you. The Christian woman is not to be thought as some spineless, voiceless person who submits without thoughts or discretion, but one of incredible strength and character that does not hesitate to confront her husband in his accountability. To call him out if he wants her to work at the expense of the children. To deny the temptation of settling for finances instead of faithfulness. House alarms are installed because we have in our nation Many lazy, entitled thieves with no ethics or work ethic. It's easier to take somebody's things than to work for them. The professionals in courts now can order you to parental classes. We're free to make the choice, ladies and gentlemen, but we're not free to escape the consequences. I found that those individuals who are always demanding their rights to the expense of their freedom and Christ end up in bondage, always. The problem experienced by children in the last 50 years are adult incurred because of buying into the agenda and philosophy of the world, living for self, because there is no God to be accounted to. In January 2012, California schools began to indoctrinate children to the homosexual lifestyle as normal from K to 12th grade, Jerry Brown signed it, a great governor. Every child in public education is taught this worldview, and is going to believe it, if not live it out, promote it, even initiate other children to cross that line. You can be the godliest parent and obedient to God and have children of the devil because it's an individual choice. But if they stray, it better not be due to your disobedience of the Lord or your bad example. I obey the Lord because he commands me and I love him, not just because I want my children to walk with God. You do what you do for your children, because your love for God, not love for your children, that's the priority. Proverbs 23, 25 says, let your father and your mother be glad and let her who bore you rejoice. Wow. You see, the present day problems in families are due to disobedience to the God's Word, from within the church. Because many Christians are suffering the very same things that people in the world are suffering. Now you come out of baggage from the world, God will be sufficient. He'll take care of that. You don't live in condemnation. But as a Christian, if you're not obeying God's Word and you're buying the baggage of the world and the the programs of the world, then you're going to reap the same stuff you you can't get away from it it's impossible i've seen many godly men and women destroy their lives because they thought they had control of it i can handle it i'm the exception no you're just an exceptional fool you're not the exception and so this is God's role for the woman in marriage The woman's role is a very positive picture, an exalted position from the biblical point of view. The parallel passages regarding marriage are in complete harmony with her godly submission to her own husband. And the present-day problems in families are due to disobedience to God's word. You, you, You can't deny it. It's all around us. And so may God give us wisdom as Christians, as we study the Word, as we give ourselves to prayer, as we cry out for wisdom, that God would direct and guide us, and that we would not compromise those things. I pray that our children walk with God, but make sure you're not the problem about your children's problem. That's the main thing. Lord, thank you for your loving goodness. We thank you We pray you Deal with our hearts, and we thank you for your grace that is so sufficient. I pray for the young couples, Lord, as they uh, have difficult times in this world today, Lord, with all the pressures and everything that goes on. But yet, you are sufficient, Lord, so I pray wisdom for the husbands, the head of the home. I pray for wisdom for the wife who completes them, who guards the home. And I pray for the children, Lord, that you would deal with their hearts, and that you would just be glorified. So, Lord, we cry out to you, because apart from you, we can do nothing, Lord. As you're praying, if you're here tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. Maybe you're over the Internet. You can call on the Lord if you believe He died for you, and He will save you right now. This is your prayer repentance to the Lord, not to us, and He will forgive you and make you a brand new creature in Christ. This is your prayer. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.